Howdy, folks, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kirsten Michael. And I'm Zach Larson. Both Kirsten and I work for the Fremont County Museum System located in the heart of West Central Wyoming. Using artifacts from our three museums and interviews with experts, we're here to discover, and in some cases rediscover, the quirky, the heart-wrenching, the fascinating stories of Fremont County, Wyoming, and the American West. Last episode, we visited with Caitlin Merman, who works in Boulder, Colorado, and works with, uh, especially with getting kids outside and getting the youngest among us engaged in the natural world. Mm -hmm. She works with Waukee Mountain Science Center, and I know we've kind of been outdoors heavy with these episodes, but it's just going to show that interpretation can happen anywhere. Meaning making, that's that's what we are doing. But so this episode, we are kind of sticking with the outdoors, kind of uh, changing it up as we interview one Brandon Lewis from the live raptor program at the Draper Natural History Museum at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. Yep. So if you like... Um, Raptors, whether they be the Jurassic Park kind, which we won't really talk about in this episode, or the kind that fly around and catch field mice and stuff like that, you're going to want to listen to this one. This is a great interview. He also has done a lot of other interesting and cool things with history. And so without any further ado, we'll let him speak for himself. My name is Brandon Lewis, and I am the assistant manager for the Live Raptor program over at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West in Cody, Wyoming. That is quite a introduction that you have to give. Yeah, I basically work with birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the live raptor program. So what kind of birds are we talking? Birds of prey. So hawks, eagles, falcons, owls. Uh, and depending on what the scientific community has decided on the latest studies, uh, one vulture. Okay. And vultures tend to be a little... No, I don't know. Conflicted? No. Controversial. Because some people think like, oh, vultures. But then you have to tell a different story about that. We do. We do. We're very proud of our turkey vulture in our program. Um, and uh, we take a lot of pride in hopefully by the end of our programs and presentations with the public, they go away thinking a lot higher of turkey vultures and that they actually are really cool animals. Mm-hmm. And they help us out a lot, too. So, So you are part of the... Draper Natural History Museum, which is one of five museums in the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. Correct. Okay. For a lot of people in Wyoming, we're familiar with Cody and the Center of the West and stuff like that. But, And I know for a fact that the the live raptor program is really awesome. We had you guys um, come down for our museum day this past summer in 2019, and we know it was a packed house. Should have brought more chairs, but it was really popular. Um But what are some of the programs that you do? What are the projects that you're working on? So we, uh, well, basically our main role is to educate tourists that are going in and out of Yellowstone National Park, specifically the east entrance, because that's where we are, um, about some of the raptor species that they can see as they're traveling through the region. Um, And the neat thing is every bird in our program is native to the area. Um, So it's a very unique opportunity for visitors to get up close and personal Mm -hmm. in our talks. uh, And they can see the details of these birds of prey and learn their significance in the ecosystem. And then hopefully that will transfer out. And when they're continuing their journey, they can go, oh, look, that's a red-tailed hawk. And we learn that they're important because they help us with pest control as they're continuing their vacation. And then hopefully after that, they can spread the word from there. Mm -hmm. How many birds do you have? Right now we are caring for 11. 
Okay, and where do they come from? They uh, all are from a variety of wildlife rehabilitation centers. Um, all of our birds are with us because they have a physical disability. Um, and actually our turkey vulture is the only one that is not physically injured. She was uh, found and raised by people, so she is what we call a human imprint. and. She never learned how to act like a turkey vulture, so she thinks she's a person. Um, that's why she has to live with us. But everyone else is with us, uh, usually due to an eye or a wing injury, um, and this can be through a variety of means. Some of them, we don't know the details. Um, they were found on the side of the road, most likely because of a vehicle collision. Um, a couple of them were found in the woods uh, um, with an eye injury, um, so it could have been something happened in the process of trying to capture their prey. Maybe it mm -hmm. fought back. Maybe, you know, it's just it, they have good and bad days just like we do. So maybe you turned a little too soon and ran into a tree or something and damaged your shoulder and your wing. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we give our birds a, a second chance. Um, we provide the best possible care that we can provide for them. And in return, they basically help us to educate everyone about the significance of their species. Mm -hmm. And I know you're not supposed to choose favorites, but do you have a favorite? Uh, it's difficult. It, it changes every day and depends mm -hmm. on my mood. And uh, But I, I'm really a big fan of our Golden Eagle, Katiri. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also really like Suli, our turkey vulture, too. Those mm -hmm. are two of my favorites. Yeah. So what are a, what's a specific program that you do with these birds and that relates back to the educational and interpretive field? Um, well, we do a little bit of everything. Um, during our summer months, we have a little more scripted of programs. Um, one of the more popular ones we've done is our Superheroes of Nature show. Uh, and so that gives us a chance to relate to our audience and um, keep them a little more interested, you know, on a hot summer day. Nobody mm -hmm. likes to be lectured to. So we try to spice it up a little bit and um, we talk about raptors in terms of being superheroes and different abilities and things that they're good at. And uh, the kids really seem to enjoy it and the families get into it really um, quite a bit. So it, it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. Um, but uh, we talk about, um, you know, peregrine falcons they're super fast um the, the highest speed that one was documented diving at was 243 miles per hour wow. and so we talk about their amazing high speed abilities in everything that they do um and then uh, we talk about um uh, I think with our golden eagle we usually focus on the super strength mm -hmm. um and depending on what source you can read Scientists will say they can squeeze anywhere between 750 and 2,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. Wow. Um, so when you combine that with needle-sharp talons and uh, you get it punctured in the back of the skull in just the right spot, you can easily take out prey the size of wolves and adult antelope. Um, but the, the majority of their diet, we always say, is mostly rabbits and hares. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, is, that sounds like an exciting life to live oh yeah yeah it's uh, something new every day and and mm -hmm. pr my favorite part about it is you get to be up close and personal with the birds um and that's kind of how i got into this was i i wanted to be the one guy behind the scenes that got to be mm -hmm. that guy like oh look he's in there with the birds or he's in there with those uh, you know the the lion or the uh the zebras or what whatnot um and uh, i got lucky enough to get my foot in the door mm -hmm. and and uh, 
got the position as the assistant and uh, for the program, mm-hmm. and now I get to not only do the basic husbandry and cleaning up and caring for and food prep, feeding and whatnot, um, I get to do lots of public presentations, um, write programs, come up with new things and ways that the public can get involved mm-hmm. um, in the programs that, that we have at the museum and around the state of Wyoming. Sometimes we'll do outreach, we can travel, uh, and we get to come to conferences like this. Mm-hmm. So that brings me to the next question is, what brought you to NAI? Uh, I heard about NAI and I wanted to have a little more, I guess, long story short, I, I wanted to get certified um, mm-hmm. and make it a little more official of uh, what I'd done. Um, before I started working at the museum, I used to work with the National Park Service. Um, and at the time, I had never heard of this. Um, but we did some training, and it was all based in a lot of the key foundations that um, people in, a- in AI learn when mm-hmm. they get certified. Um, but I never really had an organization to kind of pin it to. Um, and I'd been doing programs for many years from through high school and college. And then I got the internship working with the museum and with the Raptor program, which just started um, in 2011 at the time. Um, so that summer uh, came up and then I came back, got hired part-time and then got hired full-time. But uh, we heard about this once I got hired and we decided it would be a really good investment um, and uh, to be certified uh, as a mm-hmm. certified interpretive guide. Um, just it would, would be great for all of the uh, tours and, and programming that we do. Mm-hmm. To have a little more professional stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Some people are gifted with being able to tell stories and interpret. Um, I would say you have some natural gift because you are, you're a historic reenactor on the side too. Yeah, when I'm not doing bird stuff, I, I do a lot of living history programs. I've done reenactments and, and mm-hmm. uh, that's what I did with the National Park Service. I got to be a, a tour guide at Fort Laramie National Historic Site and uh, uh well a park guide technically um but uh, we got to dress up in the period clothing and talk about all the amazing things that happened um in the past at that mm-hmm. site uh, it was a lot of fun and um after that uh, started working more with birds and then i realized man i I really miss my history stuff and so I, I've always tried in my spare time and on vacations and whatnot have a little bit of time throughout the year that I get to do public programs um, with mm-hmm. living history stuff and, and making the, the clothing and the items and the equipment and um, traveling to various sites and working with their staff as a, as a volunteer um, mm-hmm. and kind of freelance history nerd. Um, hey, that's, <laughs> and, that's the dream. Oh yeah. And uh, just doing some fun programs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them that I got to do, I made my own program on uh, the role of the U.S. Army in establishing the National Park in Yellowstone. Um, and so I researched it uh, through a wide variety of sources and came up with a nice little program and I got a dress in uh, 1914 cavalry uniform <laughs> and got to go into Yellowstone and into the surrounding communities and actually talk about why we have Yellowstone and why you see mm-hmm. the things that you do when you actually visit it. So, for example, one of the things that I was able to discover was a lot of the roads were actually built by the military over the mm-hmm. time there. Uh, and uh, also the uh, ranger stations today that there's kind of the big figure eight loop um, as you're traveling across the park. Um, there's little ranger stations dotted everywhere on the map. And those are actually started as soldier stations. And so they were strategically placed a day's journey apart 
So that way, the soldiers, as they were on patrol mm-hmm. around the park, they would know they had a bed, um, a, a, a nice warm stove and a fireplace, and or a fireplace, <laughs> and uh, a, a blankets and fresh food for them to enjoy at the end of the day. Awesome. I did not know about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew some, but that's very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, look for an email from me about okay. potentially getting a project with you. Sure. Um, and anybody else, it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be around. Yeah. Um, so you came to NAI for the professional aspect, and you presented this year, didn't you? We did, yeah. Uh, we did a presentation on how to make the unlovable lovable, um, and we used our turkey vulture as an example. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people have a really unfortunate negative opinion when they first mention or when someone mentions a vulture around you everyone kind of goes it's a gross looking bird and they're, they're really dirty and disgusting and and uh don't... geosafat trigger put that pea shooter down <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah please don't shoot vultures no they actually help us and so we talk about how uh you can make the unlovable lovable but it's a very delicate process because mm-hmm. obviously people are very set in their ways and you know that's some of us that's how we were raised and um and that's what we know and we don't like other ideas necessarily Mm -hmm. um but uh what our job was and what we talked on um was how to delicately introduce these new ideas and say you know if you don't like vultures that's all right you're entitled to your opinion there's nothing wrong with that but maybe if you considered a different side of things Mm -hmm. Um, and we also you know all the other things you know snakes Insects, spiders, and all sorts of creepy crawlies, icky things, bats, and things that people normally don't associate as a good thing. Um, We actually uh, talked a little bit more on how to um, change their minds in a positive light without having to like really force it upon Mm -hmm. them. Um, And they kind of connected the dots and and be able to make that um, decision on their own. That's very awesome. I love presenting at conferences, so. I did not actually get to see their conference presentation. I was off watching something else, but I heard really good things about it. And it's it's a very key topic to discuss is making the unlovable lovable. I mean, making the difficult conversations easier to talk about, um, talking about the topics that are not always easy to talk about. That's very much something in the museum field, interpretive field, um, that we definitely, as interpreters, as people, professionals in this field, that we definitely, that's part of what our jobs are to do. So that's what you did at NAI. Um, sounds like your job's exciting. Your side gigs are super exciting too. Oh, yeah. um, so, what is your favorite part about this field? Um, I <laughs> everything. It's, <laughs> it's a little bit of everything for me. It, it's something different every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only am I just caring for animals, I get to create programs. I get to research them, um, network do off-site and on-site programming um, and it's nice because uh, my, fortunately for me uh, my supervisors are nice enough that when other museums at the center of the west need some help I'm able to occasionally go over and, and do history programs and help them mm-hmm. out for those sort of things in addition to my normal job with working with the birds of prey. Mm-hmm. 
Teamwork makes the dream work. It does. Awesome. So if our listeners want to send us questions, message us on Facebook about things that Brandon and his group at the Draper Natural History Museum Live Raptor Program do, um, be sure to do that. Brandon, is there a way for our listeners to get a hold of you? Yes. I can be reached at my email at brandonl, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-L, at centerofthewest.org. Awesome. So thank you so much for joining us and talking about your job and what you do in this field and sharing sharing what it's like to be in this field. Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me. So if you have never seen a live raptor program like from the Draper program, seriously, go do it. It's amazing. Uh, the Dubois Museum, like I said, had them this past summer. I'm pretty sure we're going to try to have them again next summer. Um, it's a really awesome aspect of interpreting, but with live animals and like zoos do this natural centers do this nature centers do this and i definitely think it's an awesome it's an awesome educational program for sure yeah definitely worth your time to go see um so we have several more podcast episodes planned for you guys this month and uh i think like two more mini episodes two more mini episodes with three more guests so um yeah you do that math yeah so if you liked what you heard today like us on facebook at rediscover the winds wyoming history podcast you can also catch us on youtube facebook apple Podcasts, pretty much any podcasting app of your choice and we are now fully part of the 10 cast network so check out 10 cast.county10.com too for our all your podcasting needs and if you've already followed rediscover the winds on our various platforms thank you your support means the world to us and we hope you guys get a chance to visit some of our upcoming events if you're wondering when those are um listen to our first episode of this miniseries or uh check out our facebook pages yeah let me tell you december 7th and december 14th that's when everything's happening so thanks again to all of our wonderful guests for sharing their knowledge and experiences with us and thanks to you guys for listening to this wyoming history podcast i'm one of your hosts kirsten from the dubois museum and wind river historical center and i'm zach from the riverton museum and we look forward to continuing this adventure to rediscover the winds with you next time